Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash World Talk Radio. The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now, here's your host, Sharon Kleina. to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, the Power of Water. <clears throat> Excuse my voice. <clears throat> I am so sorry. The Power of Water, your health, and what is happening on this planet and the universe with water. The show is about what is happening when Earth is must have 100% water influence. In other words, we cannot have any less water. We need more fresh water. And the air must have water because the air that you can't see has a water in it to keep our organ and all the organs alive uh, throughout the Earth. So what's happening in the deserts and around the world when there's a depletion of water anxiety and anger and health issues begin, and they're out of control. And we learn more by listening to our guests that are very special because we always connect with drinking a lot of water, proper nutrition, good attitude, and constantly wanting to come to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, the power of water, and wanting to learn more about our health and what we must do to protect the waters. We talk about life-threatening water wars on this show, the global water and health crisis. We have environmental issues that we talk about, but we're not going to be aggressive because we know that if we learn together, we'll, learn, we'll be able to teach each other. We'll have news reporting and educational reasons for teaching about what dehydration diseases are. In other words, the moment you were born, you entered in the air you breathe in that delivery room, you no longer had water around you, and you begin to live a life called dehydration. And hydration is going to become a more underst- better understood as we learn more from our guests about what hydration and dehydration is every day and proper nutrition. So there's a lot to learn. It's, we have a lot of fun. And our guests are absolutely the best thing that could ever happen. We've had 360 guests on our show from the United Nations, Nobel Prize winners, U.S. Geological Survey, to physicians and scientists and authors of books and individuals who have different, they're teaching us in this laboratory called the Sharon Klein Hour, something new every time we have another guest, we learn something we haven't learned yet. Our sponsor of the Sharon Klein Hour is Biologic Aqua Research Center, and they just launched a press release today, this morning at 6 o'clock, and I want you to go in and look for the Biologic Aqua Research press release today. It's gonna, you'll notice that it did something, it's doing something that nobody has ever done with the eyes and the tear film. 
We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method of moisturizing the tear film. The press release said today that moisturizing, we got a, received a patent, and moisturizing the tear film is so important to your eyesight with just a mist, all natural. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Seth Chernoff. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Today, our special guest is Seth David Chernoff. He's a two time cancer survivor, speaker, and award winning author. He lives in Boulder, Colorado. He has a book out that I'm really intrigued to learn more about today. The book is The Manual for Living. In other words, reality, a user's guide to meaning, what the meaning of life is all about. Seth, are you with us? Yes, I am. How are you today? Well, I am fine, and thank you for joining us. And I'm really, I was really looking forward to this today because you need to know before we start, when I, I'm the founder of Biologic Aqua Research Center, and my field has been studying dehydration of the cell and hydration of the body for over 35 years. And the reason I started, Seth, was I was in the midst of studying why do we dehydrate so much when we have uh, stress. And when an individual, I used to be president of the American Cancer Society, and I found that every time we had a patient who was diagnosed with cancer, all of a sudden the stress began and they were, some gave up, some didn't. You didn't give up. And I found myself when I was studying uh, what is happening to an individual who's so overwhelmed by stress. And I found that the family wasn't helping, but I also found that the person had to learn to build up on their, uh, get away from whatever stress that was causing the fact that they had the word cancer in their lives. And then I found myself studying dehydration forever, and I never let go of it and found that the body from birth in that delivery room began um, a process of no two people alike dehydrating the same. And uh, I'm looking at diseases as a dehydration disease that we need to study from birth, not later. Uh, no two eyes alike, Seth, no two skins alike, no two fingerprints. There's, there should be from that moment on in birth, at the birth, studying dehydration. But tell me about uh, what you learned and what were you doing before you 
uh, before you, you were diagnosed with cancer, so I can understand who you, where you came from. Well, uh, great questions. I guess I was uh, just like any other person, doing my best to uh, be successful in this world. I was working. I was running a few companies. Um, I was just uh, thought I was living a great life. I was eating organic foods, exercising, meditating. I mean, you name it, there's a list of things that people do to keep themselves well and stress-free and healthy, and I felt like I was doing all of them. Uh, but kind of as is life, you know, we face obstacles that bring us to the core of our being and take us deeper than we ever thought we could go. And, you know, for me, cancer is one of those things. The first thing that I learned uh, in cancer is that no matter what you do, you can't avoid the inevitable. And for me, it, it seems like that cancer kind of showed up in, at an opportune time and was a great teacher for me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just out in the world. Uh, well, you said a magic that was right. Your magic word that you described was uh, obstacles to solve. All obstacles are to solve. And when you're diagnosed with an itch on the toe to whatever it might be or a cancer, it's there to figure out and work. And don't force the doctor to have to do it all by themselves. Um, I've said forever, uh, and you obviously figured that out. You had to go and study. Now, you already had a uh, health uh, code for yourself that you were taking care of yourself. You were willing to learn. You were one of the people that already was trying to learn, and then all of a sudden you were diagnosed with cancer. Now, you say it says you were two-time cancer survivor. Uh, the first time you were diagnosed, uh, what did you learn you had to do? Well, let's see, and you're making a good distinction. You know, there's a lot of people, I think, who don't take care of themselves, and when issues arise, they go to the doctor and they say, fix me. Um, yeah, you know, isn't that sad for the life. poor doctor? Oh. That's right, and, and yeah. I think, you know, to the... To the patient's credit, I don't think the doctors do enough to say, look, if you want me to help you, you've got to help yourself. And, you know, that's one other topic. But, you know, for me, it was like, okay, I'm doing everything I can, but it's not enough. And so you kind of step beyond, you know, what you can control into the world of what you can't. And in, in essence, it's very liberating. And for me, it was. Uh, but it allowed me to kind of focus on the bigger aspects of life. And so the first cancer, what it did for me is it kind of opened my awareness. And, you know, uh, what it actually did is it kind of opened up a channel where uh, I started writing, and that's where kind of the manual mm-hmm. for living started. I, I basically mm-hmm. wrote for about five years, mm-hmm. nonstop, uh, evenings, uh, weekends, lunchtime, anytime I wasn't spending time with my kids or work, I was basically writing. And so in the five years, you know, I just had this information that just had poured out of me. And uh, so what it did what it did for me is it kind of focused my intention on the things that really mattered in life and the things that so many of us just kind of disregard because we get caught up in the chaos or the Okay, let's find out. Uh, and I'm a believer of what you did instinctively. Um, I've said to everybody, Seth, on the new Amazon Kindle, wouldn't it be exciting if there was a, an area where you could go in and write that all day long and write chapter after chapter, but keep track of your own, what you're eating, not eating, what you're needing to do, and um, your own exciting uh, biography of daily health. So when you're diagnosed and then all of a sudden you're going, well, here, doctor, here's what I've been doing, and then the doctor says, oh, okay, and and then the doctor turns and says, uh, what are you going to do to assist this type of thinking, and both, both go together to work, but the patient has to work harder than the doctor to try to solve, the uh, hopefully, the obstacle. Now, what did you do? I know you wrote, and I think that was exciting because I've said to everybody, that is what everybody should be doing now, Seth, uh, along anyway. But what did you do to learn how to 
battle your obstacles? Did you learn to eat differently? What were you doing? Uh, sleeping differently? What did you do? Was your attitude changed? What did you do? Well, you know, you kind of touched on a number of different things. You know, the writing part, you know, kind of was in me all along, but I think I disregarded it. I think that's what happens in life. We kind of head down one path, even though sometimes we inherently know that our true passion, our soul's purpose exists somewhere else, and, and that's where kind of my writing came from, and I just was too busy running businesses and being, I guess, a capitalist and an entrepreneur to realize that life is so much more than that. So what I did is I focused my attention on the things that really mattered more. But I guess to answer your question, I really need to talk about my second cancer because that was really the moment when my entire life was transformed. And so five years after my first cancer, I was diagnosed with a totally different cancer. Uh, But what I realized with the second one is that I believe I got it as a result of the way I'd been living my life. So even though... I exercised, I, you know, took good care of myself, you know, my life was outside of balance. You know, I really wasn't living a reflection of the things that I was writing about or the things that I, that I desired. So over the next five years after my second cancer, I did what you said, is that I went through and I piecemealed my entire life and I took it all apart and I put it all back together again. Mm-hmm. And what happened over the course of five years is we sold a couple companies, we shut one down, I simplified every single aspect of my life, I reduced commitments, kind of like you talked about reducing stress, I reduced stress everywhere. I fixed sleep. I fixed everything because I knew, I just instinctively knew that if I didn't do that, then there's no way I was going to survive. And I wanted to survive, and so I just basically changed my entire life. Now, you just tapped onto something very fascinating that I've been studying for over 35 years, Seth. Those cells, there's trillions of cells in your body and our bodies, and here we are dealing with a molecule of water in each cell. Well, when you're born and you entered in that area you're breathing and no longer water around you, those cells had to come from it had to come from you and your life choices to slow down that dehydration because that's what we we begin with. We begin with a dehydration to the day we're gone and gone to heaven. Um, I've said forever with scientists around me and around the world dehydration has got to be taken serious because there's a stress level in every single molecule, of course, of course. Um, And uh, each of us have to realize that what goes on outside the body is so vital to the, it's like beating the drum of your skin and, and what is happening to your own stress. And, and then internally, We've got to be sure and drink a lot of water, fresh water, healthy water, and eat the right foods. Uh, Seth, have you been tapping into any uh, foods uh, for thought on nutrition, like the new um, China study diet? Um, There's vegan diets and different raw, fresh vegetable diets that are coming on that are so important to reducing the stress, slowing down the dehydration, and getting ourselves into a direction of of getting rid of the stress by just even drinking enough water and and what we're eating today. Have you bumped into any of that in your research? Well, I'll tell you, you know, what I've discovered is that, and and you're touching on some extremely important components, but, you know, I just feel like that every aspect of life contributes to our overall well-being and happiness, and I know you probably believe that as well. And, you know, eating and and drinking, as important as they are, they're only one component of a life of health Only one component. Yeah. Yeah, but so for me, you know, I... I used to be a vegetarian, and um, like I said, I've eaten organic foods for most of my life. Um, but what I realized after cancer is I just couldn't recover. And uh, no matter how much uh, iron and protein I tried to eat through my vegetarian diet, I just couldn't get there. And so at some right. point, 
I just gave in. I started eating some meat, and I really didn't want to do it philosophically. Really had a hard time with it, but all of a sudden, the second I started eating meat, I felt better. I felt more exuberant. I felt strong, and so I've had to change my eating not in a way that I thought I would need to, but in a way that was more supportive of what my body can required. I, can I get you to say something there to think about? This is a fascination today. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm a believer. I've been studying nutrition also for a long time. I don't think your body should go extreme on anything. And uh, now when you went back, you were into the vegetarian side, but you went over to a moderate approach to uh, meat. What, what did you do when you went over to meat? How much meat were you eating a day, uh, a week then? Yeah, not a lot. Uh, basically, I was uh, attracted to certain types of meat, basically buffalo, and I found a way of eating it that was enjoyable to me. And I could tell, you know, when you listen to your body, you know, your body talks there to we you. Go. you. Mm-hmm. And so it was telling me, God said, you know, you need, you need protein, you need something different. And so I could tell yeah. when I woke up, I could tell when I was functioning, my brain processing. And so, especially for me, I mean, my second cancer was thyroid cancer. So I had my entire, entire thyroid removed, which, you know, is not terribly uncommon, except most people don't realize that your thyroid controls so much of the functioning of your brain, your body, your sleep, oh, your yeah. energy. And so protein was a huge, and meat Works was a huge benefit gland. to me. Yeah. 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 So so anyway, I just would eat like a, a burger once a week or twice a week, and now I have, you know, I'll have, you know, just a couple of ribs every three, four days. You yeah, know, it sounds like you're into the right. red meat or those. What about fish and uh, chicken? Are you eating any fish and chicken? I do not. And it's not okay. because of any other thing except for... You're after uh, the enzymes I, out of the red meat. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I take fish oils uh, in lieu of that, and every now and then I'll have mm-hmm. some sushi, but my body just says, I don't want it, and I can't help it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what can I tell you? Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. This is so important uh, because people have to realize, all of us, you, you said a magic word, Seth, and it's it, it also your book, the uh, Manual for Living, uh, Reality, is you've got to get out of bed, touch the feet, touch your feet on the floor each morning and begin listening to yourself, not just to everybody else or everything else. You know, Seth, today we're all so communicated to out of control. The communications are out of control. Uh, we're walking around holding onto our iPhones. We're uh, walking around. We're in front of a computer. We're listening to the radio. We're listening to TV. We're listening to music. Do we ever listen to the birds? Do we ever listen to the fro- frog croak, to the, to the birds and the bees out there to hear them? Because we're so inundated with all of these communications, Seth. But quickly yeah, you, you're, now you're on your book, right. tell us about yeah. what your book is focused on. I've got a, we're going to take a break here in a minute. We're going to come back. But you're going to teach our audience what you learned about focusing. Um, uh, to me, the word focus is a key element of what you may have done. But what did, what's the, what did you do in the book that was a key focus for us? Well, you know, what I believe is that every human being desires inherently happiness and fulfillment. And the way that we go about that is totally backwards. You know, we're out in the world looking for happiness, looking for fulfillment, usually by virtue of the jobs that we take, the amount of money we try to accumulate, the way that we're out there working so hard, and it's just backwards against finding that level of happiness and fulfillment from inside of ourselves. And as you touched upon earlier, you know, this outside world is a reflection of our inner chaos, and so if we can find that peace within ourselves, a desire for service, a desire for happiness, then what happens is that reflection of how we go about our lives, who we choose to be and the actions we take, become a direct reflection of that deep-hearted passion instead of choosing to act as a result of the demands that we place on ourselves externally. Right, right, right. And well, and what you just said is it's not going to be uh, conceited or vain or 
uh, also in internal, I will live for me first, but you're learning to listen, learning to listen to the world around you, and that will give you a, a, a abilities to understand who you are by listening not to the music da, da, so much is just listen to the nature of our world around us. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And what we tend to do is we listen to the complaints and the drama and the chaos. And what we need to listen to, even beyond nature, which I'm a huge, avid proponent of nature, is that any aspect of this world that helps us reconnect with ourselves. And so if that's nature or water or even, you know, the, the humming sound of your engine, you know, we're, we're basically just stop and listen to um, our core and our truth and our soul that speaks to us and gives us guidance. And I think that okay, is we're going to take a break with our sponsor and they're going to come back and you're going to tell us what you put in that book for our listeners to get to learn on some of the, the rhythms. You were just talking about the rhythm of life with each person. Um, don't go anywhere, Seth. We're going to be right back and you're going to teach us about some of that rhythm you're talking about. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist with Just a Mist the tear film on the surface of the eye is 99% water. We need to supplement that no different than we drink water. Well, listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Seth Chernoff. And listen, hear about his book. We'll be right back. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Seth, you were telling us about in your book you talked, and I'll. this is how I describe it. You said, we were saying that each individual learns their own rhythm, and they ought to listen to that. Um, explain to us what you were saying about how you listen to things around you. Well, I think that we're constantly given guidance. No matter where we are in our life, we're given guidance, but we choose quite often not to listen to it. I could say that for myself, between my first and second cancer, even though I was writing my book, I wasn't following my own wisdom. And so what, what happened for my world was a tremendous amount of chaos and was conflict and were things that really got in the way of my happiness. And so when you listen, I think, to that, that part inside of you that helps to guide and speed direction and help you focus on the things that really matter to you, um, it allows you to make the changes that really matter and gives you the strength to make changes that uh, beforehand you might have been afraid to make. Um, and so for me, you know, going through what I went through, not just cancer, 
and a multitude of obstacles, which everybody goes through, if we can choose to see those as opportunities to reconnect with ourselves and then slow down and listen to that part of ourselves that quite often is screaming at us, then we can find what it is we're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking there when I was listening very closely, and, you know, uh, Seth, think about all the challenges that people go, are going through today, whether it be in the Egypt situation, our economy situation, and a lot of people are out of jobs, and all the challenges that people are having, it's no different than being diagnosed with a disease. In other words, you have to learn to, uh, to challenge your obstacles. And, and you know, do, they've said forever, Seth, we learn more from our challenges of obstacles than we do from things going so well all the time. We stop and think about it. We look at it differently because we had to, do, we had to look at an obstacle to solve and, and, and challenge it rather than backing off and blaming, blaming, blaming. And I think possibly you didn't blame anything about it. You were just decided with the cancer, uh, the, the description of the cancer. You wanted to challenge that. And you say in your book now that people should learn how to look at their life as a meaningful reality to want to learn more about who that individual is and live the life they're living and go forward like the flow of the water and uh, challenge uh, themselves and forget about competing with anybody else. Learn to compete with your own individual needs and challenges. But when you decided to do this now, what was the number one thing that you can think of? It's almost like a little game. What did you do first? What did you do? I know you said you started writing, but... What did you do? You said you quit, sold some off some of your businesses. Um, but what did you do personally? Did you take a different look at the smelling the roses uh, and not be so busy? What did you do that was really distinctive that our audience would probably be able to relate to uh, that was really that magnet? Well, I think it was a number of things. But the first thing I think you have to do in any when you're facing any obstacles, you have to stop. You just have to stop everything. Stop the external noise, stop the internal chaos. You just have okay. to stop. And, you know, it's just like if you're driving on the highway and all of a sudden you realize that where you're going isn't where you want to go, you have mm-hmm. to pull over before you can remap yourself somewhere else. And so mm-hmm. I said the first thing that I was going to do was to stop. And so I took a break and I tried to reconnect with myself. Mm-hmm. And then I found my joy again. I found laughter. I found happiness. And from that place, I mm-hmm. discovered what it is that I wanted my life to look like and how, I, how long I wanted to live. Uh, and that really was a distinction for me because... I think that living through obstacles or, ter- or catastrophic illness requires choice above and mm-hmm. beyond anything else. And you first have to choose that you want to live. Mm-hmm. And in this world, that can be a difficult decision because some, most, I think, most people are kind of here by default. It's like, okay, well, I guess I'm here. I'm going to make the best of it. But we actually have a choice if we want to live because we know that death is the inevitable outcome of this life. And so if we really want to make the most of this life, then we have to choose to do something greater for ourselves. So for me, again, I just, I just took my life apart and made some key distinctions. And, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, how is it that we reduce our stress in a life of chaos and obstacles? Well, you have to make a distinction between that which, that which you can control and that which you can't. And that was a key element for reducing my stress is that, you know, I'm someone who thinks about a lot of things and con- is concerned about a lot of different elements. And so when I was able to stop concerning myself, about all the things in my life that were outside of my control, I found peace, and I found time, and I found freedom. And I think if we can do that individually and collectively, if we can focus on the things that are within our control and let go of the things that are outside of our control, then all of a sudden we have so much more energy to focus on that which really matters in our life. 
Yeah, uh, you know, uh, you were mentioning there, st- slowing down. Did you ever find yourself not feeling guilty that you could be a little lazy when you wanted to be? Not you know, to feel really guilty about point. it. That's a very good point. Um, you know, when I had my companies at one point, I think, you know, we're not talking big companies. I had about 20 staff, and uh, I just had a heck of a time going to work late. I had a heck of a time taking off a long lunch or leaving early or going on vacation. And I think a lot of small business owners have that problem. Um, But what you have to accept is it's kind of a self-worth thing. It's that you can't get self-worth from anything outside of yourself, just like you can't find happiness or fulfillment outside of yourself. And so when you realize and you accept within yourself that you are doing everything you're meant to do, your life is perfect in and of itself as it is, you are fulfilling your life as you're supposed to, it doesn't matter what people think, it doesn't matter what people say, again, that's another very liberating, freeing element that reduces stress and helps you find empowerment that everybody should look towards because you're absolutely right, there's some element in this world that we feel obligated to perform, we feel like we have to explain ourselves to other people. When we can let go of that, it is one of the most freeing and liberating aspects of you know, living a, a conscious life. And then you've also said something that no matter where you're living, who you are, and everything, I mean, let's say you live in the worst conditions in countries of the world where you're being snuffed out with your, anything you have going on in your life is being dictated to every single moment of the day. But the one thing we have in our heads our heads that we don't have to say out loud is freedom of our own mind, our mental thinking. We don't have to talk about it even. It's a mental outlook. That's our freedom on this earth. It was the power of our faith given into us. And as you come along and you look at, okay, I have uh, challenges. I have obstacles I'm to meet. At the flow of the of the river, they say you know the river will flow and flow. Don't think about the unknown; just think about the moment as it comes. And I want to ask you something. Um, the one thing I was doing when I was studying way back on the diagnosis of cancer and the stress it caused is the family. How did your how did you do deal with your family? Because a lot of times family members are not helpful because they're so worried about the individual who was diagnosed. How did you do help how, how did your how did you work with your family and friends? Well, good question. Um, and I think, you know, illness is often harder on the people who love you than exactly. on yourself. Exactly. Um, yeah, and so and I'm kind of a unique person in that, you know, I just um, you know, I just didn't have fear around it. That just wasn't part of my So anatomy. nobody could see you feeling any concern about it. They'd uh, you didn't feel any concern about it, so they dealt with it that way. Yeah, and I think it was more supportive for them. You know, it kind of gave them confidence. Yeah, and maybe right. it was just the opposite. Who knows? You know, maybe uh, they, they felt like they had to carry it. But what really happened, I think, is, and I think it happens a lot of times with catastrophic illness, is that when you get so close to death, and I, and I really thought the second time I was going to have cancer, I wasn't afraid I did think I was going to die. And I, that's kind of, we can say that for another show. But um, what ended up happening for me, it brought so much... Uh, momentary anxiety and then it all released instantaneously and what, mm-hmm. what basically happened for me is I just had this total freedom around death mm-hmm. but what it gave me wasn't just the freedom of knowing that I'm going to die and that's okay but really gave me the freedom to live and that was really one of the greatest gifts that cancer could ever have given me and so having that I think was very supportive and helpful for my family to realize to have them realize that I was getting so much out of this process. And, you know, whatever, look, look, we could die in a car crash as much as we could die from an illness. And so yes, you just exactly. don't know. 
And no matter what happens, you still have to find gratitude for the moment and find appreciation for where you are. And I think it brought us, of course, it brought us together as a family, but it also allowed us together to find joy and to find happiness and to find gratitude. And mm-hmm. uh, But, you know, I had, I had tremendous support system. My family was fantastic, and, you know, their job, uh, as they saw it, was to keep me happy and laughing and so they bought, uh, you know, a lot of comedy movies and comedians. Oh, and good. Oh, I like that one. And everybody else. And as you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, there we go. it's healing. You know, it's one of the yeah. most healing things that you oh, can do. Oh, you know, la- you know um, I grew up in a home where uh, I would have to say that, Lucy, that you know, I, you, you sound very young. Did you ever ever uh, see the Lucille Ball show? Oh, Lucille Ball. Okay, well, the Lucy show. Well, anyway, the home I grew up in, uh, yes, mother could be, uh, very strong at one moment at their emotions, and then all of a sudden, uh, my father would crack a joke or get things over to the humor side. And isn't it interesting how when we can laugh and we can sing, it, it takes a different outlook on uh, what's going on. And you're right. I got. I was really happy about the comedy and the. Now tell us about um, what are you doing today to take care of yourself. Well, I know. Is that a <laughs> no, no. It, it's always fine. I Look, put um, you on the spot. No, <laughs> you're welcome to. You know what I'm doing is I'm, I'm making sure that every day I'm living my purpose in life. And like I said, I think that we now are you. Where, are you? Do, do you have any more businesses left? Oh, I do. I've got I've got one, and then I basically spend my time talking about the book and lecturing okay. and stuff, and I really like that, and I enjoy it, and I think it's very fulfilling. Well, I noticed so. you've been in. The, uh, it's, 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 you've been written up. Tell us about where you've been written. Your book's been written up quite a few places you know we've had it we've had a good run so far and it's been a lot of fun you know we've done a, a whole slew of really great shows like yours and had a bunch of write-ups in magazines and newspapers but i think the funnest thing for me and the most rewarding back is, and- you know every now and then i just get these amazing emails from people who read the book i had the most fascinating thing happen last week i i sold this old monitor i had on ebay and this random guy shows up at my house you know, we do a quick meet and greet. He buys a monitor. We didn't talk about anything important except for the weather. The next day, I got a voicemail from him, and it said, Seth, I am just astonished. I could not believe that you were, are the author of my favorite book of all time, The Manual for Living, and I didn't know it when I was standing with you, and I didn't figure it out until the next day, and I just was so humbled and so oh. forward, and it, what it does for me, what it did for me is, you know, I spent ten years writing and editing this book. Uh-huh. So when you get a message like that, you think to yourself, <laughs> well, maybe it was just for this guy. Maybe I did all that work just so this human being could go out. Now and Now your have a book is life. sold on Amazon, and you've been written up. We've got, we've only got a minute, and we'll do this again one day. I'm going to put this on the Hall of Fame on our uh, our bunch of authors. We have authors from all over the world. But uh, tell us about where it's been written up. You've got quite fortunate to have a, a quite a few. Uh, places it's been written up. Absolutely, and and you know they're all listed at, on my website. It's SethChernoff.com, and you can go on there. There's a ton of reviews and magazines. Mm-hmm. We had this great full page spread in the Florida Sun and a bunch of other places. But mm-hmm. anyway, yeah, there's all kinds of reviews on there, and you mm-hmm. can actually read a free chapter if you go there. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I appreciate you giving us your time, and uh, boy, this is quite an encouragement for anyone listening that have, may have uh, had cancer or would ever be diagnosed or family or friends that have had uh, the possibility somebody in the family could be diagnosed with a cancer, um, you've taught us a lot. You have a very good day. You take good care of yourself, and let's do this again someday. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. You have a nice day. You too. Be well. Bye. I enjoyed every minute of this. As, as I told you, I started Biologic Aqua Research Center many years ago. 
studying dehydration and knowing that our earth is changing. And remember, the earth is changing, and we have to learn to live with the earth and drink a ton of water, fresh, clean, safe water, eat properly, study your own rhythm of what makes you feel good. It's like Seth said today, he was very vegetarian, then he went over to having meat once in a while. So we all learn a little different uh, what makes our bodies feel good and what the rhythm of what we should be doing for our better health. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we're going to be back with Brenda Jones, who's also a breast cancer survivor and entrepreneur. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, the only method to moisturize and supplement the eyes because the tear film at the surface of the eye is water. And if you don't have a deep uh, hydration, it can deplete and change the uh, vision of your healthy eyesight. Well, listen to Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be right back with Brenda Jones. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. That's Sharon Kleina Hour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Brenda, are you with us? Yes, I am. Well, I appreciate you joining us today. I don't know if you heard the show that I had, the guest I had, Seth Chernoff who's a cancer survivor, and uh, he's written a book, The Manual for Living, that's on um, Amazon.com, uh, and t- today uh, you're going to tell us you're a breast cancer survivor. Yes, I am. Okay, how long ago was that? Well, I actually was diagnosed with breast cancer in October of '08. Mm-hmm. I found a lump in my left breast on a self-exam, uh-huh. and that's the day that my world changed. Uh huh. And uh, what did you do? Let's find out before you decided to become an uh, do the entrepreneur. Uh, what did you do immediately to help our guests, our listeners uh, hear that you did something to teach them about what, what when you were told you had cancer? What did you do? Well, I you know, immediately uh, after finding the lump, I pretty much knew that it was cancerous. There was just something inside of me that there was no doubt about this. So um, with the help of a good friend of mine who was a nurse, um, you know, I went over to her house and, you know, from there we uh, got me to a 
a breast cancer surgeon's office that day. Uh-huh. Yep. You immediately took action. Absolutely. And and that's what I, I, you know, besides talking about what I do. You didn't stand around and think about it. You decided to do what everybody should do, Brenda. Go go right now. The funny thing is that there was never anything in my mind to say, I mean, was I scared? Absolutely. Did I want to go to the doctor? Not at all, I, because I just didn't want to hear those words. But really, in my mind, there was no doubt about whether or not I would go. I had to go, and mm-hmm. I encourage anyone out there mm-hmm. that um, you find any kind of a lump, please, please, please do not hesitate. You know, get it taken care of immediately. And then now they're finding out that men get cancer of the chest, the breast, Absolutely. not just women. Absolutely. I mean, they have mammary glands, too. It's just, exactly. you know, Absolutely. I mean, it's still breast tissue. And it is. That's a, it I'm, is. I'm surprised that a lot of people um, don't realize that there is a, you know, an occurrence in men. Yes, there is. Well, it's like a melanoma. They, people think of melanoma with the skin. Did you know that you can have melanoma in the eye? Absolutely. And so there's, we're learning. And, you know, the first thing I would say, and it's, it, 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 again, we don't want to get afraid at all because there's so much going on today with research that immediate, the quicker you react, the more you can start studying uh, what you need to do. Early detection and treatment is the key to most anything. And study what you need to do. We were just saying earlier with Seth Chernoff, uh, he's had cancer twice, and uh, when people go to the doctor, the doctor should say, okay, we're going to do this together. You do your part, I'll, they'll do their part. But we have to learn uh, as the patient, we know more about what's going on with us and they could possibly take us for every test. What can we do to participate in this project, doctor, right? Absolutely. You know, yeah. I think a lot of people, you know, really f- through fear, which is completely understandable and um, that they, you know, want to take a backseat, they just want it to be over with just and leave me alone, you know. But yeah. there are many steps that I'm hoping that patients do step up and and help the doctor with the treatment, not just follow along and, and do what they recommend, but, you know, get second and third and fourth opinions. They're all, and yes, you know very good for you. And that doctor does. Second and third and fourth opinions are so important so that you then you can really study what you need to do. And, yet, and, that, and you know something, Brenda, you just had the magic, is yes, you had one opinion. Go get another opinion. Uh, and then if you think, you know, it might be, intru- be fascinating to find out more about this, then all of a sudden the patient, the individual who's been diagnosed, starting to go into a research project on their own where the doctor gets assistance and all the tests are getting assistance to learning. You know, uh, Evelyn Lauder, who I know uh, back east uh, years and years ago, when they joined into the Breast Cancer Awareness for Women and got the color pink, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, Brenda, have you, I don't even look at, but pink has always been a favorite color of mine and green, but I don't even look at pink anymore. They've done such a good job with pink and breast cancer awareness. Right. Yes, and unfortunately for me, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but I certainly didn't back then. I found that lump uh, at the very beginning of October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness oh, Month. Oh. Uh-huh. So my face was, you know, smacked up against anything and everything breast cancer and pink, and I totally hated that color. <laughs> and I hated well, that lump. Now, but now uh, you're on a day. Now, tell us in our audience, you became an entrepreneur. 
tell us about your hospital gowns that you decided well, to design. Well, what started, you know, you became out a as... Fashion, Brenda, you became a fashion designer. <laughs> Who knew I'd be up there with Vera Wang? I've got to nominate you to the Fashion Institute of America here. <laughs> um, well, actually, I had a couple of uh, surgeries and some physical therapy and complications and, you know, biopsies, tests, scans, whatever, so that by the time I reached uh, radiation in January of '09, I was one very angry cancer patient. I'd had enough. Yeah, the gown and wasn't really... very. The gown didn't fit your fashion. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, by the time I, like I said, my very I first agree with you on that. <laughs> Pardon me. I don't think those gowns have been very suitable. No, so tell us no, what everybody, you did. Everybody, you know, hates those hospital gowns and. That's exactly what I did. I went to uh, my very first radiation treatment, walked into the um, radiation department, and the the nurse just looked at me and said, oh, hello, welcome, like I wanted to be there. And so she (laughs) went into the dressing room, and she said, go on in there and put on a hospital gown. You're going to be wearing them for the next seven weeks of daily radiation. Uh So I went in there and took one look at that stack of hideous, wrinkled, worn, disgusting, smelly-looking hospital gowns, and really, honestly, that was the last straw, and I completely lost it. I thought, no, you know, in my head, I'm screaming, no, 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 no. I've had enough. I can't control cancer, but I I can control what I wore. So really, that fast, Uh I, you know, put on this hideous gown, thinking to myself, okay, how can I make an alternative to wear? Mm -hmm. And... Before I even sat down in the, you know, what I put two hospital gowns on because I was freezing, and of course yeah. you feel exposed. <laughs> well, <laughs> you put one uh, one that was covering the back. I know. <laughs> well, you put one, the second one on would cover the the back end. That that's uh, very cool. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah, so and then I put my coat on on top of it because these radiation departments and hospitals have to be kept colder anyway. Oh yeah. Level. I understand the temperature. Yeah. So I came out of that dressing room with tears coming down my face and literally sat down talking to myself. Uh And I said, no, 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 I'm not doing this. I'm going to make my own. Oh, so did you go to your treatments with your own? uh, Well, you now call them hug wraps. But you you went to your treatments with your own fashion? (laughs) Yes, yes. You know, it was kind of oh, nice. Oh, this is unbelievable. I I love this. You know, I'm founder of a hospital auxiliary uh, many way back uh, long ago, and uh, it, it, people have always complained about the fashion of those ga- of those hospital g- gowns. <laughs> well, I always said that you know when I put on a hospital gown, and I've been you know in the hospital many times my whole life, even as a child. And to me, a hospital gown screams, "I'm a." Patient, okay, tell me sick. about what you were doing in the hospital as a child. Well, I had uh, when I was four years old, I had measles. So okay. that affected both of my ears. So I oh, have okay. hearing loss in both ears. Oh, okay. And I've had multiple surgeries to correct that. And, you know, I mean, it was never, you know, they gave some hearing back, but, you know, I've had to wear mm-hmm. two hearing aids all my life. Okay. So I'm quite familiar with uh, hospitals hospital and procedures. hospital gowns. <laughs> so even yeah. more so the reason why I, I didn't want to be a long Now tell us patient. about what your, they're called hug wraps. What do they look like? Well, I went home and, you know, my girlfriend happened to call who was a seamstress and I told her what I wanted to do and she said, well, I'll help you make something because you don't know how to sew. <laughs> um, and that fast... You were the designer. 
Yes. Well, I had the, the thing, so she said, go to the store and pick up some flannel material. Uh-huh. I went out, bought a used sewing machine. Oh, you didn't get silk? <laughs> no. I'm I needed teasing. warm. I'm teasing. So it was flannel. <laughs> I wanted soft and nice and warm and bright oh. and loud fabric. Uh-huh. So and I what did, what did they look like? She spent three days teaching me how to sew, uh-huh. and we came up with what I now lovingly call a hug wrap. A hug and wrap. And it's a kimono-style wrap that mm-hmm. opens in the front, okay. and it has three-quarter length sleeves, and mm-hmm. it's the complete opposite of what a hospital gown looks like, and it mm-hmm. was the perfect thing for me to wear for mm-hmm. my daily treatments. Wow, so, so it's I, like a kimono. Did it have a short sleeves or yeah, cap I, sleeves? Well, I, you know, because it was cold, they, like I say, they're three-quarter length because I okay. wanted them longer, okay. and then, uh, you know, just... You know, flannel, because it was just so warm, I didn't even have to have my coat on because mm-hmm. of the warmth of it. Now, how so many hospitals wore, have you convinced to get do this? Pardon me? How many hospitals have you convinced to be to use your wraps? Well, unfortunately, none of them have come up and said, here, let me, you know, they're, you know I love your idea. You know, I have been begging with hospitals all over, including the one that I've had treatment with, but have been unsuccessful in getting them into, um, like, their... Uh, gift shops and stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, basically, mostly what I do is I get a lot of media and TV and newspaper, and that's how people find out what I do and how they can get a hug wrap. So, have you been? Has that been successful for you? It's well. A couple weeks ago, I got final approval on making hug wraps a five hundred one c three nonprofit corporation. Okay. My ultimate goal for hug wraps is to be able to make these for patients, you know, at little or no mm-hmm. cost. All over the world, and I've actually been contacted and mailed them as far as England, Canada, and Poland. All right. Okay. Yes, what about senior citizen locations and the retirement of the nursing have, homes? My gosh, this sounds yes. like a miracle for nursing homes. Oh, I mean, there's so many reasons mm-hmm. that um, you know the hug wraps are so useful for. You know, like you had mentioned, the you know, hospice patients, mm-hmm. you know, in physical therapy rehab centers in hospitals. Right. The best use for a hug wrap is for a mastectomy or reconstruction patient. Okay. Because I will put inside pockets mm-hmm. to hold their surgical drains or even insulin pumps. Okay. And the design is made so that um, for patients like me, after my surgery, I had a hard time lifting my arms. Mm-hmm. These are designed that they're easy to get on and off, even if you're laying in bed or on a radiation table. Um, mm-hmm. You know, every every you know problem and frustration that I had as a patient with a hospital gown shows up corrected in a hug wrap. So on the website then, uh, or you have a, a website, and on yeah. your website you've gone into the technology of your key descriptions so people know how to come in and look for or possibly bump into uh, what you're doing there and why you did it in your story, right? Yes. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. and there's also, I mean, I, I get wonderful emails because I've actually gotten these to patients all over the U.S. as well. And it's just heartwarming to hear the, these patients because, honestly, when I made this hug wrap and wore it the first time to radiation treatment, I never expected anybody else to make a fuss over what I was wearing. And then it turns out that other patients were feeling the same way I was, that there's no dignity and, you know, you're... Oh, it's a very popular... Yeah. <laughs> you know, this you is, touched on, too. That's why I teased you about the fashion side uh, people when they go in they don't they feel very 
naked. They feel very uh, helpless because you don't feel well. And you know that you're there for a particular reason. And then all of a sudden you're dealing with these strangers you've never met. And that's their job. But again, we have confidence hopefully in that. But the thing about it is, is uh, you find yourself uh, wanting to... um, uh, over be comfortable. Anything. And the the right. hospital gown has been a very famous uh, uncomfortable. It's been very famously uncomfortable. I don't, in fact, when I was founder of the hospital auxiliary, when I looked far, that far back, my gosh, people complained about how uncomfortable they were and how uh, revealing they were and so more. But we're almost done out of time. Tell us a little bit more about how to go find your website and and where and different directions that people should think about uh, maybe helping. People could help you out by word of mouth, too. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm in desperate need of, you know, sponsorship help, funds, anything, because mm-hmm. of, you know, what I'm doing is trying to reach as many patients as possible, donations to buy more fabric. But you can come on and, and look at what a hug wrap looks like on my website, which is hugwraps.org, H-U-G-W-R-A-P-S. Yeah. .org, and you'll get to see the face of a beautiful patient that is currently in chemo treatments now her wearing her hug wrap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also gotten some wonderful things. Area high school students have started some uh, after-school sewing programs that with my leftover material mm-hmm. and small scraps and stuff, they make pillows and blankets for children in hospitals oh. and patients of nursing homes. Oh, that's wonderful. So Hug Wraps goes green. Yeah, I'm founder of Save a Child's Life Foundation, and we've raised an enormous amount of money for children in um, the Shriners Hospital and here in Oregon, um, the Dornbecker Hospital. And I've been in there with the children, and they love those pillows and those little snuggly blankets. Oh, anything to, well, when I make a a specific Hug Wrap, that comes with a matching pillow and blanket because I remember as a child, you know, I wanted something you know, to hold on to when they have to take that child away from the parents to go There's into There's just something surgery. snuggly. Well, we're out of time, and I wish you well, and I'll Thanks. tell the world um, Brenda Jones is a cancer survivor, and she's an yes. entrepreneur, and she became yes. a fashion designer, and <laughs> she's um, into hug wraps for hospital gowns. Yes. And go to hug, W-R-A-P-S. Dot Oregon. Org. Look her up, and you'll learn more about her 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 uh, entrepreneur. And she just had a was just had a approval of a five hundred one c three. Well, you have a nice day, Brenda. I wish you Thank well, you, and you be well. Thank you, sweetie. You be well as well. Thank you. You have a nice Thank day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Wow. Did we have quite a show today? We had two people who have a very a good outlook on on their uh, diagnosis of cancer. They both decided to challenge it, and both of them came uh, different directions, entrepreneurish. And that's what it makes the world go around, and especially here in the United States of America. Entrepreneurism, inventors, outlook, v- dreamers, visionary, has been a very important part of our lives. And I want everybody to think that way. Let's flow forward. Let's join the world in what we believe is uh, going, uh, helping each other. And, you know, I always say this at the end of every show. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life, but also embrace the lives of others. But Earth is whispering, never say goodbye. And the reason I say that is because you will leave something behind, like Seth is doing and Brenda did today and others have done. They are not going to go away forever. They're going to be immortal. 
because Earth's secret meant they're going to leave their footprint and there is something to learn from everyone. I want to thank you for listening today. We did have a very special show. Go to SharonKleina.com and look up our Twitter, our new press release that is very exciting on uh, scientific breakthroughs. Uh, listen to our, uh, go into our Facebook and join our social media side of us. There's a lot to learn. I want to thank you for being with us. Have a nice day and be well. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com. 